Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Today, I'll be interviewing Nicole Pantelikas. Nicole is an author and playwright. Her debut novel, Planet Earth is Blue, was released on May 14, 2019. Second middle grade novel to follow in 2020. I'm excited to be interviewing Nicole about her debut middle novel, Planet Earth is Blue. Here is a short synopsis. It's January 1986, and Nova is eagerly awaiting the launch of the Space Shuttle Challenger. It's the first time a teacher is going into space, and kids across America will watch the event on live TV in their classrooms. Nova and her big sister, Bridget, share a love of astronomy and the space program. They plan to watch the launch together, but Bridget has disappeared, and Nova is in a new foster home. While foster families and teachers dismiss Nova as being severely autistic and nonverbal, Bridget understands how intelligent and special Nova is. As the liftoff draws closer, Nova's new foster family and teachers begin to see her potential. And for the first time, she's making friends without Bridget. But every day, she's counting down to the launch and to the moment when she'll see Bridget again. To learn more about Nicole, visit her website at NicolePantelikas.com. So thank you so much for being here, Nicole. I'm really excited to talk to you about your book because I loved it. And I really connected with the story in so many different levels that we'll talk about. I mean, just growing up in the 80s and also working with children with complex communication needs like Nova and that have autism and that, you know, some are nonverbal, some minimally verbal, some um, are verbal, but it's hard to understand them. So would you, I just want to start off with asking you about your background and your inspiration in writing the book, Planet Earth is Blue. I had a lot of uh, inspiration from different areas uh, when writing this book. Um, I knew going into it that I wanted to write about a girl on the autism spectrum. Uh, my original version, I didn't know she was going to be nonverbal. That came a little bit later. Um, I really wanted to write about the Challenger launch, and I was inspired a lot just by... It's, sort of, it's a very personal book, so a lot about uh, by my life and by... Um, kids in my life and um, just just sort of everywhere. It's sort of a culmination of all sorts of different little writing projects that I had worked on through the years. And I took the things that I liked most about each one and created Nova and her story from that. And you were also an instructor in a school for autistic children, right? I, yeah. So there's a um, a lot of autism and spectrum things in my life and family. So I based some of um, Nova on myself as a kid. Um, I've had obsessive compulsive disorder since I was a toddler and major sensory issues. And then when I got older, um, my my cousin and godson is autistic and I started working with him. And that got me interested in working with other children on the autism spectrum. Um, and I, I did. I worked in a public school uh, functional skills program for a while. And then I worked as an instructor in an autism school for a few years. Uh, and then after that, I did um, like home care and um, stuff like that for kids on the autism spectrum and with other special needs. 
Yeah, so I think that's what makes your book so special is because you really, you know, you were in the classroom and you were working with the kids with autism. So you really understand a child like Nova because, I mean, I would say that Nova is a lot like some of the kids that I see. That, mm-hmm. you know, and this is one of the things that I always talk about when I'm teaching classes, when I'm training staff and I'm training parents. Um, it, it's just that if somebody, just because somebody's nonverbal doesn't give you any indication on what they could understand. And there's so many kids that I work with that are like, they, they just understand so much. And just once you're able to give them that form of communication, they just explode with their language and their vocabulary. And it's, it's so incredible to watch. And so when I was reading your book, I, I felt so connected to it because like I said, I just know so many kids like Nova and in a situation where people think that they, that she doesn't understand and that she is, you know, people are not assuming competence about her. And, you know, Bridget is one of those characters, you know, one of the characters that does understand mm-hmm. how smart she is. And, but she's not there to be able to tell other people how smart she is. And so, Part of me, you know, it was it was throughout the book. I was like, oh, I just want her to, you know, be able to communicate, you know, all these things that she knows. And, you know, and the, the foster parents are just so supportive. So, I mean, I don't want to give away the books. I want people to, <laughs> to read it. But um, anyway, so. Well, thank you. That I, was really important to me um, because I would see a lot of people doing that. While the characters aren't based on anyone in particular, there's. um there was a woman I, I had worked, not worked with, but she came in to work at um, one of the programs where I was. And with one of my godchildren, I was working with him and I was talking to him like you talk to any other preschooler. And she said, oh, no, he doesn't talk. So every time you speak to him, it has to be in a sing song voice, no more than two or three words and sign it at the same time. So um, I'll never forget. She like looked at him and she, I wanted him to put his shoes on and she said his name and then she went shoes on and she's like, no, you do it. And I was like, shoes on. And I didn't like that at all. And as soon as she walked away, I was like, buddy, I'm so sorry. And I found it like upsetting and embarrassing. And I didn't like that. This is what people were being taught as a way to communicate with kids. And she was not a speech teacher or anything. She didn't have any, it wasn't her realm. And I just felt it was so wrong And, um, then he and I would go home and I could have like a conversation with him and he could respond accordingly using, you know, different hand movements or sound or pictures. And I was like, she, she doesn't see. And I felt like there are a lot of people, even who work in the autism field, who don't see that the kids they're talking to have a lot to communicate, even if they can't get it out. Um, and then later my grandmother had vascular dementia and she started losing all of her speech. So I created a, a textbook like type of thing for her. And um, I brought it to her and I wasn't sure how she would feel and she loved it. And it, it really helped extend her ability to communicate for another that's, couple that's of years. That's amazing. So you should be a speech therapist too. To <laughs> add to your thing that you want to, <laughs> we need more people like, you know. So, I mean, yeah. And that's, that's great thinking. And I think that it's, you know, I know the story takes place in the 80s, but, you know, unfortunately, still in 2019, we still have, you know, situations like Nova, Nova goes into where people are assuming that she doesn't understand and that she's not going to be able to show us, let's say, what she's able to understand and her skills. And 
it's when I go and I meet somebody for the first time or always, I mean, I talk to them just like any other child. Mm-hmm. And I, and also one of the things that I always talk about too, is that kids are going to give you what you expect. Mm-hmm. So if you go in expecting them to give you, you, know, you have reasonable goals and you're saying, well, this is what I want you to, this is what I'm expecting you to do. This is what I want you to do. I have these, these goals for you. Um, realistic goals. And I really feel like the kids are able to meet them, you know, um, but we don't expect much. They're not going to give you much, you know, and right. that's like any child, you know, but especially I think for kids with complex communication needs, um, because, you know, it's hard for them to sometimes prove what they know if they don't have any sort of communication system. So yeah. um, I love the iPad programs now too, with the, with pecs and different similar pictures and things. Uh, we had one student who came to us nonverbal and he really responded well to pecs and at home they spoke one language and at school we spoke a different one and we taught him how to switch the language in the iPad. And he, he, within like a couple of months of starting to use pecs was communicating fluidly in two languages back and forth. And it was just so awesome because it was like, there were people who thought he couldn't communicate and here he is completely bilingual <laughs> and, just, yeah, that's, you know, without mm-hmm. technology, people wouldn't know. And then with Nova, like you said, in the eighties, she didn't have access to that technology. So made it quite a bit difficult for her. And why did you decide to write about that time in particular with the challenger? So I really wanted to write about the Challenger specifically. I was, when I learned about the Challenger as a kid, because I didn't remember it firsthand, I was a baby. Um, but when I learned about it, it was from an episode of Punky Brewster. And oh, I, I love Punky enjoyed- Brewster. And I, part of me wanted to go back and find the episode again after I wrote the book, because I haven't seen it since I was like seven. Um, but I don't. But now I don't. I don't want to see it because it's perfect in my head. So I don't want to ruin it. But um, I, as a kid, was obsessed with like natural disasters and extreme weather and tragedies and all these awful things. And I would watch the news or the Weather Channel and take notes. Uh, and it was, I guess, very strange childhood obsession. And one of the things that I really obsessed over was the Challenger. So in my very first... I didn't even write a full first draft, but in my very first like etchings of what would be Planet Earth is Blue, I was going to write a character who was living in the present but obsessed with the Challenger. And as I tried to like think about it and work through, I thought like, no, I think it it would be better to have a kid who is obsessed with it before it happens and has all this hope instead of a kid who is obsessed with the tragedy of it. Um, and once I decided that, it really changed the whole structure of the story and then everything started to come more easily i love that though because there was so you know i was when the challenger when that whole thing happened i was in elementary school so i really and i guess i was about the same age as nova um Mm -hmm. and so i really connected with the story because i just remember you know just everyone talking about the teacher that's the first teacher in space and so you know, kind of going through the story, I really understood, you know, the excitement and that's really what it was like. And then the devastation afterwards, <laughs> see, you know, just here, well, I didn't see it cause I don't think we watched in school, but I heard about it just as soon as I got out of school. Um, so it was just really, really interesting. And I think what I also like about your book so much is that it really, I think it connects well with the time mm-hmm. and with, 
the situation that she was in as far as like her, her special ed classroom, um, being tested a lot. And I also liked how you talked about her sensory issues as well. And I just, I I just think it was very accurate. I really, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I just, I just thought it was great. And one of the things I wanted you to talk about was the letters, because I feel like there was different ways to interpret it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to just hear from you what, you know, what your, let's say what the intentions of the letters were, if they were written or if they were in Nova's head, I was just, I was curious. Uh, The way I picture her, like say we were to watch it in a movie, I would picture her sitting down and physically trying to write the letters. Um, She has some hand-eye coordination issues and she hasn't really worked that much on forming letters and she really struggles. So that's why when Francine looks at it, she starts to see things that look like letters and look like words. Um, so my thought is that with with a lot of, you know, help and some occupational therapy in an ideal world, they would keep working with Nova on that and she would end up being able to write down her thoughts um, so that they could be read more easily by other people. But um, the way I see it is she does sit down and write every letter with crayon on paper in her little notebook, except for uh, no spoilers, but except for the very last or the second to last letter. Um which there's one letter where she says, I'm writing this in my head. So that's the only one that she doesn't sit down and, and actually write. Uh, and I wanted to do the letters because I wanted to show the world both through Nova's eyes and from outside her so that the reader could see both what was going on in her head and how she viewed situations and how she viewed the challenger specifically and could see how other people or how she, how it was from like a, a, a further outside perspective, I suppose. So, yeah, so- yeah. Mm-hmm. it, it did give a lot of perspective because I think the letters showed us how cognitively intact Nova was mm-hmm. and, you know, how she was able to express her feelings. And then the other perspectives were from just all different people that were mm-hmm. really interesting. So I guess the way that I interpreted letters was that Nova was, like writing it down in her notebook, but I guess other people weren't able to see that the legibility, but her intention was those letters, right? Is that right. how, yeah, that, that's right. what I thought. But I, I really, what was interesting about it is that you could think about it in a lot of different ways. Yes. Yeah. And in school, she does, one of the letters she does, uh, she writes in school and her teacher says, okay, like put away your scribbles when it's time to be done. Because to them, looking quickly it just looks like a kid scribbling on paper with crayon um and it takes francine to really look at them to see that there's more there so it's kind of a i don't know almost a metaphorical thing too because it takes somebody to like really see nova to see what's there um whereas those looking just on the surface do not yeah, there were so many interesting things. I almost think your book, what's great, is like not to just read it once. Like I almost feel like I want to go back and read it another time because I think that there are other things that I could pick out in the book mm-hmm. that I may not have, let's say, like concentrated on enough the first time. There's just so many different things about it that I don't know. I just I just think it's such a... It, it's such an important book. And I think that, you know, not only should it be read, I think, in a classroom, you know, with typical kids, but I think, you know, special educators, parents, I, I just, I really appreciate the story. 
because it's, I, I think it just has so, so many great lessons. And that was one of the things that I wanted, I guess, you to like, you to talk about a little bit more is what do you want readers to take from reading your book? Um, I think what people take from a book depends, like differs from reader to reader. Ultimately, I want all readers to take a sense of hope because the, um, the overall idea of planet Earth is blue is there's all this hope leading up to an event. And then, of course, the challenge or disaster happens. And then there needs to be recovery after. And there's grief after and trauma. And, of course, there are other things in Nova's life that have trauma. And I wanted it to really show that, like, you can't fix everything. I think that's hard for kids and even for adults. Like, sometimes things go wrong and you can't fix them. And it used to make me really upset when I was younger, although I guess it still would if people still did this. But if I was upset about something and the person I told, I just wanted to like, like vent or express myself and they would immediately start saying, well, you need to do this and you need to do that to fix it. But sometimes you can't fix things like Nova has to learn. Like she can't fix the fact that the challenger explodes, but she can control how she goes forward from there. And she can still have hope that people will go into space again and vacation in space and there will be a first teacher in space. So that's the big over overall lesson that I want people to get, or not lesson, but message that I want to get from it. And then there's smaller ones too. Like I really want kids who are on the autism spectrum to read it and see a character who is autistic like them and isn't a stereotype. I feel like there's a lot more um, now written about autistic characters and on TV, but so many of the characters seem to follow one sort of formulaic. um, There's there's a lot of like very wooden personality and doesn't love and isn't affectionate and has no imagination and that gets so that's so pervasive and while there are some people whom you know maybe that's autism for them there are so many more people who are autistic and have um, so much creativity and are very affectionate and um, you know do show a lot of emotion and. And maybe have a hard time interpreting others' emotions, but that doesn't mean that they don't empathize. So I really wanted to show um, autistic kids that there was a kid like them. Uh, And one of my best recently, um, best things I did, I went to a fourth grade, uh, or both fourth grade classes, had the teacher had read the book out loud with them. And I did a question and answer thing. And one of the little boys raised his hand and he told me his name. And he said that he's been autistic since he was, I think, two or three. I don't remember. Um, but then he said he likes that Nova has an imagination because he uses his imagination every morning on the bus to make the bus ride go by. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> it's just, I was so like, nice. that's exactly what I wanted kids to get and I want his his peers I want the neurotypical kids to see the same thing that you know your your classmate they might not talk or they might you know express themselves a little differently in some way but there's so much more going on and it's not what you see in movies and television shows where everybody sort of seems like Spock from Star Trek no, no, I, I know what you mean. I always say that, you know, because I work with so many children and adults with autism and I always say like, you know, they feel the same feelings, but a lot of times they don't have the language for it. Mm-hmm. So they're not able to express themselves, like especially for someone who with like more limited verbal skills mm-hmm. is not able to express their affection 
in the same way because they just don't have the language or they don't have the words. So like they'll have, they'll be they're feeling all the feelings, but they're not expressing those feelings because they don't have they don't have like the the correct label for the feelings. So I think a lot of times what happens when I'm working with kids is that they're just being taught the feelings happy and sad. Yes. yes. And there is, I always say there's like, how often during the day are you just happy or sad? Like, I mean, probably like most of the time, most of my day, I'm not happy (laughs) or sad. I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I'm maybe I'm like annoyed. Maybe I'm excited. Maybe I'm hungry or I'm thirsty. And so when I work with the kids, I always you know, say, and my adults that we're working on, you know, really more specific feelings, you know, feeling Mm -hmm. frustrated, feeling scared, maybe feeling anxious. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and then once they're able to express their feelings, then you see that they're able to start, maybe you can't resolve the problem. I think that's one of the things too, is that some people look, let's say, I know it's a different topic with the AAC, but, um, that AAC is going to cure all the problems. And when I always say to parents is that, you know, AAC helps somebody be able to communicate. It gives them the ability to start being able to express how they feel and express, you know, what they need and to express all the things that they're able to communicate. Um, It's a start, but it's not going to make all the problems go away, but it's going to be a great start in being able to communicate their feelings. And I think for a lot of people, you know, just, anybody that the start is to be able to communicate their feelings and they, you know, be able to resolve those issues for them. Just like how the challenger, you know, you can't make that go away. You know, you can't fix that, but you could certainly start talking about how scared and how upset and disappointed and, you know, all these different feelings that Nova had. So. Yes. I always felt when I was working with kids too, that it was important to validate how they're feeling. Cause I would see, um, often, not just with, with kids on the autism spectrum, but with, um, there are typical kids too. A lot of times a kid would be crying. They'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm hungry or I'm sad or, and somebody would be very dismissive. Like, no, you're not, you're fine. But maybe they're not like, maybe they're sad. Maybe they're sad over something you think is silly, but they're still sad. So I would try to always say something like, I'm sorry, you're sad, but, uh, we can't, you know, we can't buy another toy right now or whatever it is. If it's something small, like that, like still validate. I just feel it's so important to still validate how somebody is feeling and tell them that like you see them and you understand, even if it's not something you can fix at the moment, um, as opposed to being dismissive and being like, oh no, you're not, you're fine. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's just important for everybody. I think we all need to be validated with our feelings and maybe you're not, maybe it's not going to resolve the problem, but at least you feel like you've been heard. And I think, you know, a lot of kids will say like Nova are not being heard and they're not given the opportunity to be heard. And, um, and it's just, I think, such an important message in your book that, you know, she does express herself and she does show how how much she understands and how much she knows and how she's using her imagination and how she's able to communicate her feelings in that way with the letters. So um, it's just such an important book. So thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for being here today. Do you have any anything else that you want to add? Uh, not that I can not that I can think of. <laughs> and I know we didn't talk about this as far as, cause I did see that you were coming out with another book next year. I mean, do you have any, any sort of, do you want to talk about that at all a little bit? Like to give us a sneak peek into what you're thinking about for your next book. I wish I could, but I have um, given a few ideas to my editor and I don't know yet which of them I've, um, I have four works in progress right now and I don't know which one 
if any, will end up being that book. I hope it's one of them because uh, those are the four I'm working on now, but that's pretty much all I can I can't even give a little hint. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see any any of your work coming up in the future because I really, you know, you know, some, some of those books that you're reading, you feel that you like know the character, mm-hmm. you know, and you could picture the character, you could picture the story. And that's how I feel about your book. So Thank you. the second I got um, an email about it, I was like, oh, I need that book like right now. <laughs> So, so to talk to you, I think made it even more special because, you know, when you're reading the book, I always love to be able to talk to the author and see where their, their, their thought process was, um, in creating the story and everything. So I I just, so I really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. 